the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Wakes up again to a cigarette and calls a friend to pick her up and take her home. Somehow it doesn't seem right to leave. Welcome to the Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 110, and our guest for the second time is Matt Woods. Matt is a singer and songwriter from East Tennessee who earlier this year completed a residence here in Central Florida where I'm based. He called that Songs Matter. He got together with some songwriters around the Sunshine State and sat down to swap songs and talk about process. That's going to be turned into a podcast, which I'm really excited for. And Matt and I talk about that quite a bit during this conversation. Also, since we last spoke, he released an outstanding EP called Mornings After, which could be my favorite of his wonderful catalog, and a re-release of his debut record, The Matt Woods Manifesto, which recently celebrated 10 years in the world. Matt was the last marinade interview we did just before the world shut down from the COVID-19 crisis. That was my first time meeting him, but he treated me like an old friend from day one. He's a hell of a songwriter and a kind soul. Everyone, it is my honor to bring you my conversation with Matt Woods. When night comes round, there's a spot they all go down to. Have a drink or two She's got her best dress on and forgets She might be wrong to think What he's telling her is true He swears there'll be a time sometime It'll be alright and he'll Be there in the end Hey, hey, hey. Good, I'm glad you do. Um, Yeah, I want to hear about it. So, man, it's kind of crazy. Like, two years ago, we were sitting in there right before the world shut down. Almost exactly. Yeah, almost exactly two years, huh? Yeah, it was like two days before everything shut down. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of wild to think, like, because we were going to do this last year, and then y'all had car trouble. Yeah, rock and roll, <laughs> and uh, but it's I'm I'm glad we're getting to do it now because at that time, you were talking about podcasting, uh-huh. and since then I'm glad it's been two years also because like, I feel like a year ago we would have had a whole lot of like, well we're still where we are, and now it feels like there's so much that has changed in the global landscape and there's so much that has changed with you like you released a beautiful ep that i absolutely Mm -hmm. love that 
I want to get into because I, I think it's my favorite thing you've done. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, and and I'll, I'll, I'll go into some of those reasons, too. <laughs> All right. There's a few things that I like about it that I'm curious whether you feel the same way about it. Um, and then also you got this podcast that's that you're working on now that you've been doing here in Florida. So I want to talk about all that stuff, but let's just start with like, how, how are you doing after all of this? <laughs> um, <laughs> Cause I mean, I think it's so wild. You were the last in-person yeah. guest and then it all fucking shut down mm-hmm. and I didn't have another in-person guest for like a year and a half. Right. You know? And so now I've had a few, but I'm really interested to hear like at that moment we were kind of like, man, the world's weird, but I don't think we had any concept. I I know I had no idea what was, what was coming, you know? Um, I think at that, I think at that time, I remember, I remember at that time and we maybe talked, maybe even talked about this. It was just kind of like watching, watching everything change kind of day by day and, and this, you know, the different like sports leagues were canceling games and, but it was so unclear as to, you know, how to prepare or plan or what to expect. You know, I think I'm I'm not necessarily an optimist, you know, but I think I was allowing, um, what, what optimism I have to kind to kind of bubble, bubble to the surface because, because there were plans, you know, there were plans on the books. There were things to do. I was meant to um, tour manage and drive for a friend's band in Spain That's in right. in April and just waited and waited like, oh, I think it's going to be okay. You know, Europe seems to be getting better while it's getting worse here. Yeah. Uh, you know, just sort of waiting and waiting for the next, you know, f- for things to kind of ease up. And surely, even after I went back to Tennessee... You know, it was just kind of like, oh, this will be fine for a few months and readjust, you know, like um, I kind of when there's nothing to do and when it's when there when whatever's happening is out of my hands. I'm trying to learn how to not stress about it, you know, like try to not really, mm-hmm. you know, cause myself more <laughs> anxiety than necessary trying to worry about things I can't affect at all. Yeah. You know? So. Are you good at that? It's a work in progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do any work like meditation or something? Have those hikes that I feel like you were going I on mean, all the time? The hiking, being able to get outside, that definitely helps. And, you know, living trying to live a bit more healthy in general that and that, that's the thing that's mm-hmm. the tricky thing i i found out you know i i've come to believe I, the pandemic was really everybody dealt with it differently i feel like i i feel like i picked up some good habits yep uh it's still unclear as to how <laughs> how well i'll be able to like uh, drag them forward, you know, because uh-huh. you know, two years later, now I'm starting to get back out. I'm not on the road like I was, but I'm trying to do some. I'm trying to keep some of the good habits, you know. Yeah. Um, that's that's but, interesting too, because like you you um you were with Matt Burke last night of mm-hmm. Abnormal Travel, um, and you know they have that song. 
everybody knows that we're lifers man's the lyric right on the on the most recent yeah, yeah. full-length record and that's them right there's that they are those guys that just been doing it and they do it because they love it and they do that work and you're you know there's a bunch of y'all that just you've been hustling for so long you've been working hard and you're out there and this is how you make your living and this is the work that you've been doing and you're traveling all the time and i've i've found it inspiring that it seems like so many folks and it seems like that's what you're saying when they were off the road, because that's a big void. Like, that's a yeah. void in your life. This is a thing that was a habit that you had. And not a, just a habit, but like a, your life, right? A yeah. huge part of your life. And I think it's inspiring to hear that you started, like, watching what you're eating better. Yeah. You right. you were, you know, getting outside. Um, it seems like a lot of folks reacted that way. So I find a lot of, like, inspiration in the idea that you could have gone the other way. You could have been a fucking well, mess. And, and easily. I, I think it, I, I don't know. I think it was kind of like one way, one or the other, you know, could have, could have been one way or the other for me. I think it was certainly one way or the other for a lot of friends. I have, I have, mm. I have friends who went the other way, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Right. And just, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I was, I tried to embrace it. Like I did go, I tried to embrace the sort of, inevitable downtime right mm. so when i first got back to tennessee you know i'm like okay this is a this is an opportunity to do some things i've been procrastinating putting on you know i had there's always always have a stack of books i never get to read because uh, you know of the lack of time and and um uh, you know, I watch the watch the wire <laughs> like I never, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, kind of yeah. like, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the best use of this time. I started waking up in the morning, and um, and working on music m uh, nearly every day. Nearly every day, I would wake up in the morning, kind of go through my morning routine, have some coffee, and sit down and spend you know spend a little bit of time, like an hour or a couple of hours, working on songs, you know. Uh, as a result of that, I ended up with more, more songs kind of just written and stacked up, you know, ready to record at, at whatever point that's an option than I've ever had. But, you know, after about three months of that and just realizing that, oh, this is not going to be a short term thing. That's, that's when, that's when it kind of kicked, kicked me out of the bedroom, out of the house started hiking getting back outside and like that's that's when some of the more you know the more positive um things you know to benefit my health came into place and and by health not only my physical health by getting out and like hiking and exercising and being out in the world but also the act of doing that helped calm my brain as well mm -hmm. you know it kind of helped settle some of the anxiety i've been thinking about that a lot because i've been working from home since not long at, well november of 2020 i started working from home mm -hmm. and so i barely leave the house and really haven't and, it, and it's interesting how my worldview shifted so fast in a lot of ways and one of one of those ways was today i was sitting at a coffee shop because basically my partner chris was like you need to fucking give me a day. <laughs> like today's my day off. I love you, but get the fuck out of the house. Yeah. And I totally understood what she was saying. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I do not blame her at all. 
Um, so I did. So I worked, I worked at various coffee shops in town all day. So I rode my bike around. It was like this kind of fun little day, but recently I've been getting out more and I've seen more like interactions with people in police. Mm. And I don't know if that's a real thing. Like if there's an increase in the number of like, uh, actual interactions that are happening in my vision right. or if I'm just so used to being at home that like those things jump out at me so much. You're just kind of noticing more. Yeah. yeah. I think it's the latter, right? I think I'm just noticing things in a I think perspective shift. I think probably that. Yeah. You know? Was mornings after something that like you had in the works and it, it was going to happen or was that at like when the pandemic hit you went like all right it's time to get this thing out no it was uh it was in the works okay. it was all it was mornings after was part of the uh, the recording session that produced the natural disasters okay. lp right um we went into that we went into that session with 15 songs so i try to go in i try to always go in with more than i need Mm-hmm. You know, or or more than, more than will fit on an album. Mm-hmm. In the event, some of them just don't land. Yeah, you know, like something mm-hmm. goes, something the the vibe's wrong, or or for whatever reason, something's not landing, or you get the you get all of them done and realize that some of them don't sit as well in the in the sort of like um, linear kind of album. Mm-hmm play mm-hmm. or whatever like the just like oh that's a really odd note that doesn't sound like anything else on the record right mm-hmm. so um but I, we ended up like super happy with how all 15 songs turned out and rather than drop like a an 11 or 12 song album and then just have these leftovers uh, it made sense to just kind of you know, kind of group the songs into this set of 10. Mm-hmm. It's a little more like rock and roll mm-hmm. feeling. And then the set five for the EP. Um, and it was, you know, always meant to be kind of a complimentary thing, you know, in the mornings after it has a little more of a chill and sometimes, um, soulful or introspective, yeah vibe than the natural disasters record i think that because natural disasters was my i mean i've liked everything you've done natural disasters was my favorite thing that you had done then this has become my favorite thing that you've done so which is i think exciting that you continue to push limits and grow in that way but i think that this like i've it's written here somewhere but um of course i'll I'm throwing my notes out already, but the the <laughs> vocals on Mornings After, it feels like you're pushing yourself in a different direction a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe like you're, um, maybe not in a different direction, but maybe like, um, almost like you're trusting your voice more. I love your voice, and it's there's, there's just, there's so much, and the word was soul that I had written there. There's so much soul to those songs. Yeah. And I think the introspective part is probably, of course, just like, I gravitate toward that anyway, you know? Like, sure. that's just how I, how I, process the world um but i that's interesting that it, that that's exactly what my notes said right is that it felt so much more like and, and specifically the vocal stood out to me quite a bit but then there's a lot of like you can hear joey's influence on that a little bit more i think than in mm-hmm. the natural disasters yeah is that or were do you know whether, do you remember whether, or was it intentional whether, like, those songs were recorded 
in a, in a particular t- moment, like those five, were they? Ha- did they happen to happen together, or were no, they just they, they all all fifteen songs, you know, spanning the LP and the EP, were they were all, you know, just coming together all all at one time. It was the same time, like all all fifteen songs were, you know, recorded at the same time, with it being, you know, unclear how, what was going to happen with any of them. There were. You know, there were probably, I don't know, a half dozen or so songs. I'm like, okay, these songs are definitely going to be on the on the album, on the LP, right? Mm-hmm. Going in, but then the rest of them were kind of like up in the air. Let's record these, see how they sit, see how the sequencing set works. Um, so, yeah, I'm, and I, and I, and, and I understand kind of what you're saying or why you would, ask that question because they do feel different mm-hmm. you know um they they definitely do feel different and and i can see how it would be how someone might think okay well this is could have been a completely different session mm-hmm. you know that's what that yeah, i almost but, assume that you know um because it does feel that way yeah yeah <clears throat> which is cool yeah but yeah it's just how it's just how those we got all of them recorded and stepped back and looked at the whole, at the big picture and like, okay, well these songs clearly kind of like belong together here. And these songs clearly belong together over here. And there were a few that were, you know, maybe you could go something that, something that almost happened was, um, the song, my Southern heart, mm-hmm. which ended up on the natural disasters record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the song Sunshine from Mornings After EP mm-hmm. uh, almost landed the other way around. Interesting. Um, yeah. I, I'm I'm going to tonight listen to those back-to-back and just kind of get a sense of it, but my first reaction is that it, I'm glad it ended up the way it did. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm happy in... In terms of those two particular songs, I'm I'm really happy the way it ended up the way it is, and... And at first, I was the one advocating for it the other way around. Joey and I were talking about the sequencing and how to how to make it sit. And I'm like, man, you know, because Sunshine is a little more up tempo, is a little more rocking, and and My Southern Heart is a little down tempo. Um, but it was Joey's, you know, he it was his uh, belief that it worked best keeping that my southern heart kind of down tempo tune on the natural disasters record to add kind of to provide sort of like a break mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> um oh yeah that makes sense yeah and 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 you know I, but it was right he was right he was absolutely right yeah and for folks listening because joey Kanizer, who we talked about last time as well but most probably best known for his work in his incredible band glossary that yeah. i just went back to again the other day and i tweeted about it and everybody was like yeah fuck you <laughs> everybody was chiming in about how much they love that band which we raved about last time but it's worth re-mentioning just oh, so yeah. folks have context and so that hopefully you're going to listen to that right now you know after you listen to this you can't they, yeah i couldn't i can't say enough about glossary mm-hmm. they're fan i mean they're just fantastic amazing yeah and it, it, it's one of those like it's just go-to music. Every time I listen to it, it feels fresh and it feels exciting. And I don't know how many umpteenth time yeah. I'm on now, you know. But it, it, every single time I listen, I'm like, this is just 
the top of this is the top here, right? Mm-hmm. This is as good as it gets, just about in terms of those records have kind of a timeless quality too, right? right. Like, um, yeah, Glossary has been a band what twenty twenty years, something maybe like that, something yeah. like that, early two thousands, right? Yeah, yeah. Those early, even the even those early records, they you don't get that sort of like, oh, this is a. I can tell when this record was made. There's none of right. that. It all just feels relevant and tasteful, right? And well done. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What well, when you're going through these moments, especially after you got through the initial sort of pandemic shock, and you you start to go, okay, well, I can either sit here and wallow, or I can get out and and do things and and get to writing and um and start to you know lean into the healthier parts of of my life here mental health and physical health and so forth has your process changed at all your creative process changed at all um i i feel like the process has evolved and i don't know how much of that has to do with you know with kind of taking care of myself and being more healthy or trying to live more healthy or just uh I think it probably has more to do with being forced to have that downtime. And then, and that, that caused me to approach working on songs or songwriting a little differently than before. I'd, it's not, it's not so much that I'd never kind of sat down with, um, and I don't do this all the time. This it is, I'm, I'm kind of scattered all over the place, but, what was happening in those early, like the first couple of months or three months or something, uh, of of the pandemic, say like mid March through the end of May or early June or something, um, because because we were in the house, you know, we're in the house, and there, are however many waking hours in the day, my roommate was working from home, I was there one of us would go out once a week to get groceries and the following week the other of us would go out to get groceries and that was pretty well it you know springtime the weather was nice and the windows are open you sit outside and stuff but he was working from home so I you know I spent a lot of time just kind of hanging out in my bedroom through the days or outside on a porch and it was that was you know reading or watching tv but with so many hours to fill, mm-hmm. like getting into that routine where most mornings, whether I was necessarily feeling inspired in the moment, I would sit down with a guitar and just know, like, okay, I'm going to work. I'm going to put my ass in the seat and work on something because for years and years, you know, on the road or in bars or late night or just whatever, I've I've amassed a laundry list of notes in like a phone in my phone, like my notes app, and there's just notes and ideas and song ideas and lines and voice notes with melodies and whatever. I'm like, I should really, if if now isn't a good time to revisit all of the all of these notes I've felt were worth keeping. When when is yeah right? So you know, some days I would wake up and I would be inspired to like write something from scratch, like something would hit me, you know, or would scribble something. And but on days that didn't really happen or wasn't happening, 
I would go back to the notes and then like, okay, let's see what's in here. Let's see if there's anything I can tinker with. Sometimes I got a song out of it. Sometimes it was just tinkering for an hour or two. Yeah. Um, but it kind of like exercised that muscle and formed that habit. I do less of it now, now that the mm. world is back. Okay. Um, which is not to say I don't do it at all. Like I, I'd still do that. Like I've carried that forward, not in the sort of robust fashion it was happening when, when no one was leaving the house except once a week. Right. But when I'm not traveling now, uh, and, and I'm back in East Tennessee now out in the country. So when I'm not traveling now, there's still fairly often, I'll just wake up in the morning, have some coffee, you know, go through my morning routine and uh, sit down with a guitar and work on some stuff. Man, okay. So, do you think? And I don't like. I don't know if you've been out out playing. Have you? Well, let me start with that. Have you been since you've been kind of getting back a little bit? Have you been playing many of those songs? The and, new ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've been. Yeah, I've been playing. Well, especially now. So. Okay. And that's a good segue. Uh, of. Of the songs, of the unrecorded songs that, that amassed throughout throughout the pandemic, uh, I kind of I took I took some of them into the studio in February to start work on the new album. Okay. So some of those songs I've started to perform live. And how have they felt out? Like, ha- has it felt like? Have you felt like there's anything? different about those songs as compared to maybe your process before or has it felt like okay this is this is very much similar to what i was doing before either in quality or in how you're just feeling about the songs Mm -hmm. has there been a difference in those that you were doing during that time with that particular process where you're going back into the notes i don't i don't think so i think they i think they still feel like songs felt before like they're all still they're all still coming from the same place right right um you know i'm not they're all still kind of they're all still pieces just pulled out of my head you know it's just that i'm revisiting like when going through the notes and kind of tinkering around that way i'm just revisiting that those things that were in my head initially at at a later date um, but they're all still kind of like coming from real experiences or real like inspiration that I've lived somehow or another or been witness to. Um, so I feel like the songs, yeah, I, they don't seem, the songs don't seem any different than any song before um, just because the process changed. But, the, but yeah, it was, there was a, I would often work and like edit and kind of like tinker and tool around on songs once I, once they were underway before. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't very, I didn't get as many of them started, you know? Right. <laughs> like, <clears throat> yeah. Well, and that presents another, maybe another challenge too. I mean, editing is, I, I feel like the hardest part. <laughs> um, but I, I think for any, any creative work and I, the, that presents another nice problem to have. It seems like that, maybe you're being more prolific it sounds like but then you've got more stuff to to kind of sort through right, <laughs> right so right. to curate mm-hmm. <laughs> um which i guess is a nice problem to have but it also kind of it's interesting how like it almost raises the bar for yourself yeah 
yeah, there's <laughs> that's that's definitely accurate. Like it's it's making me think more more and more now because I'm trying to evaluate, you know, how much I can create, like how how I'm not not like just writing for the sake of writing, like how much can I stack, but like I think when we went into, when we went in the studio last month in February, uh, I took in I took fourteen songs in uh, to make an album. In the same kind of theories, like take more than than I'll need or whatever. Yeah. We went in fourteen songs, but and left I don't know left like a dozen other songs mm. off of the project altogether. You know, so mm. in my head now I'm sort of like. All right, and they're and they're all finished in my to my, I believe they're all finished. I'll I believe the songs are like fully realized in regards to the the writing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's work on the arrangements and the recording and all that to come. But the songs are written. Um, but now it's like okay, I'm starting this project. I'm working on this album. It may come out in 2023. Vinyl production is so far behind that it's mm-hmm. not coming out this year. Any way you look at it. Um, what do I do now? Now I'm sort of faced with I'm continuing to write new songs with this surplus of songs sitting. Um, how many records can I make, and how how many records can I have in the can or afford to have in the can, but not released? Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's a good it's a good problem to have. I guess I've definitely gone through like album cycles. Where at the end of it, I know it's time to make another record, but I've only written three or four songs. I'm like, God, shit. (laughs) You know, that's happened to me far more often. (laughs) Yeah. Man, it's not the same thing, but I'm just like relating to that in terms of the, the creative work that I do. Thinking about, I was thinking earlier today about how, like, this is your second appearance on the show, and we've had a few, you know, two and three appearance guests we've had well one three appearance guests that's seth walker everybody uh, a few others twice you know mike schnabel's been on twice and casey anderson and we've had bj bonham a few folks have been on twice but a lot of that early on was just sort of like i know this person and i like talking to them and i know they'll do it again yeah whereas now i'm at a place where it's a really nice problem to have but i got way more work than i have time right and i don't want to I don't want to put anything out that's not my best effort. Mm-hmm. And so, and I feel also like at this point in the show's life that I've gotten so much better at this that I, I'm i proud of those early things, but I feel like I'm getting better and better and better. And then I want to get pickier, but at the same time, I don't want to leave an opportunity on the table. And it's like, you know, it, it's a similar feeling. It's not the same thing, but it's a similar feeling of like, it, it, we, there's a... There's almost like a freedom to not having all that stuff. <laughs> like yeah. once you get to a certain level, you know, and, and I'm not talking about the show in this way. I'm talking about you as an accomplished songwriter who now has a couple records in the camp potentially, you know, yeah. of songs. It's a nice problem to have, but at the same time, you don't want to leave out something that might change somebody's fucking life. You know, you might right. have a tune, yeah. on, tune on the shelf right now that becomes somebody's favorite song that like, yeah, that's a really interesting problem to have. Yeah, and I and honestly, I, I, I'm still unclear as to 
how how I'm going to deal with it. You know, it's, it's so this is a on this on the same sort of uh, topic and the same kind of thing. There's there's this current situation, right, with the surplus of songs sitting and trying to figure out how to make these records while continuing to write new songs. And uh, but we remixed and remastered my debut album last year for right. the ten for its ten year anniversary. Right, the Matt Woods Manifesto. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's a record I did with my friend Dave in Knoxville, Tennessee. And, and Dave and I are, I mean. We're we're brothers. We've been we played in bands together. He's made I've made several records with him. We're we're super close, so we're just on the phone and we're talking about this thing, and we we stay in touch quite a bit. But through the process of remixing that manifesto record, he he's on the phone with me. He's like, you know, we have probably like half a dozen other tracks that just never made records on my hard drives, right? Wow. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess so. You just I've ne- I don't think of them. Yeah. You know, the record, the songs that make the records have made the records, and you go through the whole process of mixing and mastering and supporting and releasing and writing a new record and take the new songs in. At some point along the line, I'm like, oh, man, I should maybe see what's out there. And I don't know, who knows? Maybe this is, I I guess it's how bands end up releasing those B-side compilation albums and stuff like that. So maybe... Record store day release or something, yeah. you know, twenty fifty or whenever you can get records made, uh, yeah, printed. That's that's a huge. <laughs> that the, sucks, man. The final production thing is a huge frustration. Um, Do you have physical copies better? of Mornings After? Did you get that done at least? That like, got done. Yeah, okay. so that came out in fall of twenty, and they turned those records around so fast. It was nice. maybe the fastest um, turn time. I'm using the same company as always, uh-huh. uh, but Manifesto had never been pressed vinyl, mm. so the 10-year anniversary was an opportunity to do that, but it's so long, and we included another like four tracks on this anniversary edition, so I mean, there's 16 tracks in total, which forces like a double LP. Right. Right? <clears throat> but I ordered, I ordered that... Oh, what would it be? Early July of last year. Mm. Uh, approved the tests in October uh-huh. of last year. Uh-huh. As of like as of last week's email communication, projected production of August of this year. That's not projected like ship date. That's like wow. they think they're going to start pressing those records wow. in thirteen months after the order was placed. And right. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping it's getting better than that, but that's that's concern for for my desire for my desire to release albums on vinyl. It's a concern. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> yeah, and that's. I mean, it's clear from owning a copy of Natural Disasters that like you you t- put a lot into that. I mean, that's a beautiful package with a beautiful record, and like clearly you put a lot of care and thought into what goes into that part of the work Mm. which also kind of begs another question we're sort of talking this whole time about creative capital and having you know you only having enough time and energy to be able to do certain things and then figuring out how to curate what you're doing Mm. what of those things that you're doing gets released how it gets released all of those things 
There's a lot of thought. There's a lot of work that goes into that. And on top of all that, you've now embarked on the podcast world. Yeah. So when we <laughs> last talked, you were it was it seemed like it was more of just kind of a a seed germinating. Uh-huh. So I wonder if you can take us back to sort of like even that time two years ago, if you knew what it was going to look like, and now that you're in the middle of this process, if it looks like you thought it was going to look. I think two years ago, I had it was it was a baby idea. I mean, it was just because I have been here. I, I've been in. Florida, the same as I'm doing this year. So mm-hmm. for listeners, I've I've been in I've scheduled a whole like month in Florida, and this is the same thing I had done in 2020. Just come down, have March in Florida. It gets me into warmer weather. It, jump, it kind of jump starts spring, and it's half half work, half play. Right. Um. But part of that thing, part of that thing in 2020 was uh, a weekly show here in Orlando at Lil Indies and and it was meant to be it was a songwriter show and uh and I've done we've I've done those in so many there there's there are different ways to do it. you can you can have a songwriter show where each songwriter how, however many there may be gets up performs a set and then the next gets up and performs a set right or you can do the in the round thing where you know, however many songwriters there are, they're all on stage, and you take your turns playing songs and telling stories. But I wanted to do something only for, only to make the live show something different. I wanted to to have something that was different than either of those things, and uh, and so set in place or set out to do songs matter, which was, you know meant to be a conversation about songwriting illustrated by performance of songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, at some point, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if it was after the first one or second one or, or which guest I was talking about about it with us, but it came up, I was like, this would probably be an interesting podcast. Like, and then... Oh, okay, wait, so this, if I'm understanding you correctly, like, at the beginning of this process earlier this month, I guess uh, you're saying that you went. This might be a podcast. No, at oh, okay. the in in 2020. Oh, the in 2020, sh- my the show Sorry. I was doing the residency I was doing at Little Indies in 2020. Gotcha. I'd also called it Songs Matter so that it could be kind of presented and marketed as a, a an event, like a month long event. Yeah. Uh, and at some point in that is when the idea is like, oh, maybe this. This is this is a unique enough show, a unique enough live show that maybe it would be good in a like podcast format. Yeah. And and it was coming over here and and being on the marinade with you and we were talking about podcasts. I don't know, you know, and you were telling me about the Zoom recorder and and explaining kind of how to operate this this device and you know and and just talking about getting into the podcast world in general. So that kind of like that, that, uh, that kind of like reinforced the initial sort of seed. It's like, Oh, maybe this should be a podcast. And then you're like, yeah, well you do this and you got this device and it's pretty interesting. And, and you, you made yourself available to, if I, to answer questions, if I need advice or anything like that. Uh, 
and you you can expect those calls I'm to be coming very soon. I'm ready for them, buddy. I'm excited <laughs> but, about that. Um, so <laughs> that's that's when it started, and and uh, last year was weird. We we got on the road again. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't a full time thing, and it's not a full time thing yet for me. Right. This year is going to be better than last, and hopefully next year is better than this. But um, <clears throat> but yeah. So some at some point last fall, I started to reach out to venues here in Florida about doing a residency, setting up another month of March in Florida, two yeah. years after the fact, yeah. and uh, w- with the intent of actually recording these shows this time around. So how has that how has that process felt? Like, are you? I find that really interesting in ter- I've done a few of um of like um you know somebody plays and I and I'm interviewing them or I'm talking to them um having a conversation in the middle of the of the set kind of thing that sort of that listening room sort of feel but I'm not playing myself I'm just yeah. I'm just asking questions mm-hmm. so I'm curious about that in terms of like flexing those creative muscles because interviewing someone having a conversation even is a, a bit of a skill. It's, it's a hell of a skill itself. Right. And it's a, mm. it's something that, that flexes kind of different creative muscles from playing songs. Right. So how comfortable were you, especially knowing it was being recorded, right. And you're going right. to release it. Um, and how much thought did you give to that or did it feel natural because it was your buddies and so forth? Well, it was somebody's. I've had some guests I've, I hardly knew at all. Cool. Which which has been real cool. Um, but but you're right. Uh, the majority of my guests so far have been folks I know and have worked with before. Um, but it, I I put the focus on the conversation, mm. um, and then for the performances, or you know, I would try to perform songs that. Uh, they kind of they reinforce the conversation, mm-hmm. um, but for the purpose of the podcast, it was my primary goal was to have good conversation, mm-hmm. right? Because the plan, the plan is to now take all of take these shows which have um, typically typically ran two, between two and three hours. In, in a live setting mm. and edit those down into, you know, something close to or slightly more than um, 60 minutes. Mm. And in doing so, I'm going to plan to remove all of my performance content unless it's very, very specifically relevant. Okay. Um, you know, otherwise it's going to, because it's because songs repeat and, you know what I mean, and I want to keep yeah. the focus. I want to keep the focus on the guest and the conversation. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of work. So it, it, <laughs> it will be, uh, yeah, I'm, I've uh, I, last night was my sixteenth one, sixteenth uh, live show, uh-huh. and I have one more. So I'll have seventeen live shows to uh-huh. edit. <laughs> to Is it gonna get be seventeen episodes, or do you have a sense of that? It will either be it will either be seventeen episodes or it will be fourteen because there are three uh, three songwriters who who appeared on two separate okay. nights. Got it. 
right? And and I don't know yet if those will be just kind of like a longer, a longer podcast, or if or if I'll try to break them into two parts. That's interesting, man. Yeah, I'm call me. I'm here for it. Yeah, like this, because that's man. I'm excited about hearing the end result of this too, because that's uh, that's a really compelling for somebody like me who feels like songs matter a great deal right and who loves that kind of thing that's really compelling to me i'm interested to hear how much when you go back to listen and you do the editing process because that in itself can be a creative process for me it's kind of simple because usually i'm pretty much try to get out of my guests way and let them talk and they're interesting and it's just i don't have to cut much you know unless sometimes like you and i went for two and a half hours or whatever last time so i I had to cut it at some point, you know? Um, but so sometimes that happens. Van Plating and I, I'm wearing my Van Plating shirt today. Mm-hmm. We're just friends. And so it just, next thing I know, I'm like, well, shit, man, I can't put out a three and a half hour podcast conversation, you know? Right. But it's interesting when you go in, cause you're going to have a lot of editing work to do, like what you decide to keep and what you don't, especially how many of your songs that you go like, well, shit, man. This is germane to what we're discussing. Right. It flows nicely. That'll be a really interesting creative process. Yeah. I, and and I don't really know. I've tried to... There have been a couple of times, but only a couple of times, really. And it, I think I'll have a better idea, like, listening back. But in the moment, like, in the moment, in a couple of um, different, you know performances or whatever a couple of different uh evenings of doing the songs matter show there have been just maybe two or three times that in the moment i'm like "Ooh, i think this song might have to stay in Mm. you know um because for whatever reason because it was either brought up or set up by my guest or just really very very specifically connected to the conversation and then and a conversation that began before I performed it and followed afterward where we talked about mm-hmm. parts of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I'm curious. I'm also curious to see how, yeah. <laughs> how many, how many of those, um, how many of those are in there or not. And, and I'm also, also toying with the idea of maybe setting up like a Patreon or something where, you know, the whole thing, all of the performance, everything can can be out there if somebody wants to access that. I think that's a great idea. I think that's also a good thing to think about in terms of all these songs that you have, the ones that may not make it onto a record right now or you don't know exactly where they're going with <coughs> excuse me, with Patreon. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean it's something to think about. Were there surprises like did you find yourself or Maybe surprises isn't the right word, but I would expect, I would think that in this process of talking with, with, with other songwriters and this, it's a pretty unique thing that you're doing with songs matter. And were there moments that like maybe either surprised you or that you sort of like were learning lessons that you didn't know were going to be there or that weren't readily apparent Any um, moments like that. And if there weren't, we can cut this out. So it's not yeah. <laughs> There were there were a couple of surprises. Um there were definitely a couple of surprises, you know, um specifically like one f- for example was 
I, I tried to instigate a conversation about editing or the editing process with one of the guests who replied, nope, don't do that. Like, I'm like, oh, nope, just comes out the way it comes out. And I'm like, oh, huh, okay, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And Was that Matt? That one, Can you say that? Was it Matt Burke? Because I know it was, if you look no, at his handwritten yeah, songs, yeah. there's no like marks on them or anything. Yeah, no, it, it was it wasn't Matt. Okay. It was uh, Kaylee. Oh, oh, yeah, Kaylee Baker for folks listening. Yeah, who's just incredible and needs to be famous. Yeah, interesting. Actually, I think I think I think it was Kaylee. Okay, well we can but, we can hold off on that and c- yeah. cut it out if that didn't. <laughs> if you go, if you go back and you're like that wasn't Kaylee. Yeah. Was. Well, I thought it was Matt initially because, like, he posted um, on the last record on Instagram. He posted his notes, and I asked him about it because um, he posted like the the lyrics, and he was like, "Nope, that's just how it comes out on my head." Yeah, uh, yeah. And I was like, "Wait, what? You yeah. like you write like that?" <laughs> How does someone's brain work like that? Huh. You know. So I wonder yeah, if anyway. Man, I'm, I'm sure we talked. Some man, you got some cool folks. Night, this it's gonna be really. I'm really looking forward to the podcast. Really, you got some really, really interesting good. folks. I, the conversations were the conversations were great, and um, the, the challenge or something I was concerned about going into it. Concerned about honestly, before every show. Um, since we were doing this live, I really wanted to try to keep the conversation on the stage, mm. you know, mm-hmm. um, so that, so that we could, we could be in, in this thing together rather than feeling like, uh, we have to entertain the audience. Oh, interesting. You know, how and, successful uh, were you on that? I think, I think pretty successful certainly more successful than than unsuccessful um there were a few moments there were a few moments for either myself or some of the guests where you know you turn and kind of do the perform to the audience thing because i mean it's what it's what we all do do. yeah you know um but for the most part for the most part they stayed on the stage and and the audience stayed engaged i was also worried about that i'm like how interesting is this going to be to watch live yeah you know? yeah um but the feedback from the audience was really good you know yeah. and uh the feedback from the venue the venues was good so i, th- I think it was a success that's really interesting because you do have that i mean you're you get paid to do to perform Right. Yeah. You get paid to engage that audience to play songs and engage that audience. And then in this case, you're consciously trying sort of not to do that. But right. while still entertaining. Right. You don't want to lose your audience. Obviously, you want right. this to be an entertaining thing to watch. It's almost more like, uh, I don't know, like an unscripted play or something, almost like uh, improv or something in some ways where yeah. you're not necessarily totally engaging the audience, but. You're up here performing in a way that's really interesting, man. It 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 was. It felt like last so last night was Matt Burke. Yeah, we had a long. Sh- I mean, it, it was a long show, and uh, and I don't say that in a bad way. Like it was just a really robust conversation. Yeah, you know, yeah. we ended up losing track of time, losing track of the 
audience altogether. Uh, I had a similar experience in in Tampa with Christopher James. He and I uh, had met before, had talked before, you know, at shows, had shared stages here and there, but um, but didn't really know each other. Mm. So we ended up on stage, kind of having, kind of getting to know one another in front of people. Wow. <laughs> like, it was, um, but yeah, it was really, it, it felt really good. It was cool. Man, that's beautiful. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you had such a good experience. Yeah. So, and then now you're heading home soon and. I am. Okay. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'll be home in maybe three, three days. Three, okay. Three or four days. Depends on whether I spend a, I, I, I have shows, uh, tomorrow and Friday. And then the plan is to drive home, um, from the pan up, I'm up on the panhandle Friday night. So oh, from right the, on. From the panhandle home on Saturday, um, unless I'm convinced just to laze around, you know, the golf for another, yeah, for another yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, twist your arm, right? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the 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 record that you started working on in February, shifting gears a little bit for mm-hmm. a second, because sure. I meant to ask this earlier, and I just we got into something else. Who all is working with? Can you say that? Are you are you ready to say that yet? Like who's working with you and yeah, like absolutely. who's producing and so forth? Uh, I'm doing the record with uh, Jay Burgess. If you're if you or the listeners are familiar with the band called the Polys. Oh, uh huh. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> down in like Florence Muscle Shoals mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm doing the record with Jay in uh, Green Hill, Alabama. All right yeah. on. That's uh, and it's been it's been great. Some in the water, you know. There is something <laughs> in the water down there. My uh, so folks are familiar with um, with the band when I take when I go out with the Natural Disasters band, mm-hmm. um, Weston Harris Hill, who's been playing guitar with us for the last several years, <clears throat> moved uh, moved from Nashville to Florence, Alabama, mm-hmm. sometime like late twenty, mm-hmm. and fell in love with it down there. You know, and there's a big, obviously there's a huge like music group of, uh, if not a huge music scene, a huge sort of like recording scene and mm-hmm. a large community of musicians. Um, so he fell in love with it and almost immediately was in my ears like, okay, you should, you should do a record down here, man. You should do a record down here. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll consider it. I'll consider it. And, and, uh, last year when we were on the road with the band, um, a lot of the time, uh, a, a fellow named Spencer Duncan was playing bass. Mm-hmm. And Spencer, originally coming from Middle Tennessee, has been living in Florence now for the better part of a decade mm-hmm. and is a bass player in the Polys as well, um, as as well as hiring out and touring with any number of, you know, Nashville musicians. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, so... So with Weston moving there and kind of like trying to draw draw me down to Alabama to make this record, and then working with Spencer and he's already there and interested in playing bass on the record, he's like, "You should come to Alabama and make a record." Now I've got half the band in Alabama telling me, "Right on, come to Alabama and make a record." And Jay and I've known each other for um, quite a few years, um, so I got on the. I've, I'm here's here's the thing. I meant to go down there. Uh, the weekend after Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. uh, the Polly's 
we're playing a show on Black Friday with Billy Allen. Um, so sorry, dude. Let me oh, check it's on. All good. Or the ruckus. <laughs> we were talking about how your whole band is now in the. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, yeah. So so now Weston and Spencer are influence, mm-hmm. and uh, urging me to consider going down there to make the record, mm-hmm. and make the record with Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in my in my head, I had this I had this I got this plan together. I'm like, okay. I'm going to go down because the Polly's and Billy Allen were playing on Black Friday. Mm-hmm. So I was going to go down and just spend the weekend after Thanksgiving in Florence just to get a feel for hanging out, like just to hang and like, okay, is the vibe right? Is this going to be what we're doing? But mm-hmm. I came down with COVID. <laughs> oh, no. Full circle. <laughs> All Full <the> circle, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> yeah. So it's instead of going down and hanging, I'm, I'm just like, I got I got Jay on the phone and uh, we had a, we had kind of like not a super late night conversation, but like we got on the phone at like 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. one night, talking about you know making a record and what it would be like and how you know and and, and really we just ended up kind of shooting the shit you know mm-hmm. and telling and we ended up telling stories about Chris Porter who was a friend of both of ours and mm-hmm. and like all right we were on the phone like three and a half hours mm-hmm. just kind of like hanging on the telephone like drinking teenagers beer or like teenagers yeah. i'm like all right yeah. let's make this a record gonna we're doing this <laughs> gonna work we're gonna make a fun record <laughs> man that's great what a fun story other than the covid part um, <laughs> yeah. so is it sounding like i mean i have to i have to connect these dots right you mm-hmm. just came off of this releasing your not just came but you released your last ep was more soulful yeah and um now you're in muscle shoals making you know uh, making a record with your band is it is it feeling that direction kind of mornings after direction it's maybe feeling more like um like if you mashed up mornings after and natural disasters it's a it's a feeling like a rock and roll record but with these elements of kind of this these kind of some soulful elements and also some you know some pretty um I don't know. I think there's some pretty unique sounds and arrangements for what we're doing, like as opposed to what's come before. Um, I don't. I don't know how to how to exactly get into that, but right, right, right. You know, we could we could say that there's some fuzz bass and there's also some conga drums. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! That's yeah. great news. So it's uh. Yeah, it's oh, really fine. it's really fun. It's uh, it's really fun. I've had a blast, but um, as as excited and stoked as I am, and and I am starting to play or in in the shows I've been playing down here this month, I have started to kind of play some of the new songs live for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so it's just so up in the air as to when this album may see. Right. may see the light of day right. or at least like a full release you know I, I anticipate I anticipate being able to release singles and maybe do some like music video work and stuff like that uh, middle of this year like at least some maybe like into the summer at some oh, point cool. start 
I would like to, yeah, I would like to, at, in the summer or at the latest by early fall, have at least the first single from the record come out. Okay. Um, and maybe just, I think I think the timeline for all that's going to, in part, it's going to depend on what what I can reasonably expect in terms of getting vinyl production. Oh, going interesting. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. if it's going to be, if it's going to be fall of 2023, by the time I can have records in hand, then I don't want to have another release date without vinyl in hand. Yeah. So, man, I hope y'all get some y'all being everybody who makes records for a living. Get yeah. some fucking relief on that. You yeah. Know, at some point soon. Because I really feel for you on it. Well, I will say, like, it, one of the things I've tried to do as a consumer of music is you see my stack of CDs. Most of those I've bought in the last, like, hmm. six to eight months, year. Right. You know, and part of that was I, I finally bought a car. I didn't have a car for a while. And I finally bought a car, and it's got an old it's got a CD setup. Player. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it's got, like, an old setup. But we had this CD player that I bought years ago, and it syncs with everything just fine. And, man, they sound fucking great. They're portable. Yeah. You know, you still get the artwork. It's not the same as, uh, you know, as a, especially like a beautiful gatefold vinyl with, with color right. and everything. Of course, I'm still going to, as much as I can, get this. But as a consumer of music, and I hope folks out there, and I know folks that listen to the show are cognizant of this, but as much as possible, I'm trying to buy physical copies. And if it if that, if that the vinyl's not available, I'm going to buy the CD. It's a, it's a huge help. I mean, that's... I mean... There, there's been so much discussion in recent years about uh, how the streaming platforms have changed the music industry and really kind of like walloped, you know, income, especially for independent artists, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, buy, buying a physical copy <laughs> well, goes a long way. Like I, a couple I've bought recently. Um, merch and so forth. Oh yeah. Um, and marketing, he did this like five dollar sale on his CDs, and some of these I already had on vinyl. But I was like, well, now I got a, now I got this copy, and it's always like you still get the liner notes, yeah. you get the booklet with the lyrics and everything, and the beautiful artwork. I just bought um, on Bandcamp Friday. I picked up Micah's uh, the new Norman Rocco because I realized I just didn't have a physical copy, which yeah. I thought was strange because I love this record. Um, and it's got, you know, Vanessa Jean Speckman's beautiful artwork on it. So you still kind of get, like, vinyl is going to be my preference, <coughs> but I'm really leaning into CDs because you kind of, you still get a lot of that benefit. And, and, they, sa- the and they sound good. They sound great. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Audio quality on CDs is 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 really good. It's really like good. it's far better than the, far better than your download quality or than your streaming quality than, you know. Right. But um, I was a vinyl collector as a, as a kid, and mm. I'm, I'm damn old now. You know, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I, I was I was a vinyl, I was a vinyl collector. I was or maybe not collector. That's maybe too strong of a, of a term. But I was buying records when I was a kid when Walmart was still selling records before oh, they wow. quit selling records, started selling CDs <laughs> and are now selling and records. Selling records again. Again. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I remember in my teenage years. Um, so where I grew up and 
uh, it's in where I'm living now. Like I'm back, I'm back in East Tennessee in Roan County, about 45 minutes outside of Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the time I got my like driver's license, you know, the weekend weekend journey was into Knoxville most weekends for a full afternoon at Lost and Found Records, just you know sorting through records because in the you know what would that be the early nineties uh, CDs like CDs were were a thing and I was definitely like buying CDs. I was in Columbia House Music Club and all yeah, of this yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. you know. But CDs were still pretty expensive for the price of one CD. I could get like a stack of used vinyl. Wow, you know? that's wild to think now. Uh huh. Yeah. So. So that was always it, and and never, never in a million years when I started um, making albums did I did I think I'd have the opportunity to press anything I recorded <laughs> to vinyl. Man, that had to be exciting whenever you got to that moment. Yeah, I would think. Like, how did that? Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. I, it, it was. I was I was elated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first the first album I was able to press to vinyl was uh, with Love from Brushy Mountain. Mm-hmm. I remember I got the I had the I was on tour. Larry Fulford uh-huh. was on tour with me. We were doing the two man show, the guitar, you know, and acoustic guitar and drums uh-huh. thing, and uh, I was so excited. I had we were out for who knows how long we were out. There were, those were long, long tours back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had my test presses sent to uh, New Hampshire. I was in Manchester, New Hampshire, and I had them delivered to a friend's house where we were crashing. So I, I remember getting there, and uh, and the and the records were there, and I'm like. Oh no! They had so arrived cool. like a day before, so yeah, here, yeah. here I am. It's, I'm not. It, they're not on my turntable. It's just on the turntable there. That's I'm just listening to the test pressing. That's fun. You know? And um, yeah, I was, I was thrilled. You know, and now it's it's it really like it just sucks that it's taken so long to get them. But yeah. at, at this point, as long as pressing vinyl is a, um, you know viable option everything i do from here forward i want to have on vinyl right you know that's awesome man what what that's a fun story that's a really fun story about you and larry being on tour and so forth yeah. shout out to larry um, yeah i saw larry yesterday oh cool we did the mr rogers walking tour at rollins college oh, fun. saw mr rogers sweater saw mr rogers yeah uh, sneakers that's yeah. man. We've been meaning to do that. Chris grew up. My partner Chris grew up on Mister Rogers. There's Mister Rogers like on the f- refrigerators. Mister Rogers um, uh, magnets all over our refrigerator and stuff. Yeah. And I've been meaning to do that tour. Yeah, it was it was fun. That's fun. Yeah, it was a good afternoon with Larry before you know battling the I four drive over to Tampa. Yeah. Oh, that's good news. That's really cool. Well, we, we were, I was just searching while we were talking for, because you mentioned Columbia House back in the day for folks who don't, who aren't that old or don't remember. <laughs> Columbia House was like this, you could, you got like a uh, booklet and you would check off which CDs you wanted. But if you didn't, if you didn't pick CDs, they would just send you one. Yeah. And then you'd have to pay for that CD and it was through the mail. And uh, as, you know, 12 year old me or whatever that was in, that was doing that would of course forget 
you know, to pick the ones I wanted. Yeah. And so I learned about so much music that way. It was like the algorithm before there was algorithm. And I was looking for the record Red Hot and Country, which I, has, I have the CD of. And it was just such a cool like compilation. It was Wilco's first ever recorded mm. song was on there. Really? And like Johnny Cash is on there singing with like Jimmy Dale Gilmore or somebody. Like there's just the wildest thing. Like check that out, anybody listening, Red Hot and Country. And all the money went to, um, this is the 90s, right? So like the AIDS epidemic is finally getting like attention and people mm. are donating to causes that are trying to, to do research and try to try to combat the, um, the AIDS virus and, um, just really, um, really, really interesting compilation that I wouldn't have known about if I hadn't been a 12 year old who forgot to pick my CD (laughs) on Columbia house. Speaking of which, what are you getting down on now? What, what art has you fired up? Have you in that stack of books? Have you Mm. found something you've been listening to a record? Yeah. So, um, I've been honestly for the last little while too. I've I've just been listening to so much Menzingers. Oh, like, interesting. So, yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, uh, so that's been a, that's been a lot, or, or that kind of like punk rock vibe is sort of like what I've been putting on when I more more frequently than not that. Brandy Carlisle's new record, mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I finished. So uh, I don't know how many folks are, would be familiar or are familiar with the Takers. Oh, we uh, did we talk about Takers last time? Did we? Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. But Devin Stewart from the yeah. Takers. Um, Devin, you know, has impeccable taste in literature. Mm, you know, he's okay. a very well-read uh, human being, and mm-hmm. um, in addition to being a great songwriter, hell of a fucking songwriter, you know? man. Those Takers records, I, like, I don't, there's not very many, I don't think. I, Two, maybe one. One. There. Well, there's maybe. I know there's a full-length record, and then there's um, a split, maybe with Austin Lucas. There may be a couple okay. of like other. Of course, he and Austin did something together. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. yeah, yeah. But um, but Devin, uh, Devin texted me <gasps> at some point a few months back or something. He he texted me. He's like, "You want to know what your favorite book is?" <laughs> you know, because I was also you know pretty confident, <laughs> pretty confident <laughs> that Devin Stewart. And I'm like, it hit me with it. He's like, "The Brothers K." Buy it, read it now. You'll okay. thank me. And uh, and it was published in the it was published in the mid nineties, but it was just this epic tale of this family in um, in the Pacific Northwest, spanning you know spanning decades. You know, the father was a minor league ball player, and uh, anyway, the mother was a uh, um, Seventh Day Adventist, you know, mm-hmm. and. and Anyway, it was just, it was this huge sort of like, it would make a four-hour movie kind of thing, this huge epic uh, tale of this family. It was wildly entertaining. Man, this is great. I did not expect a Devin Stewart Taker's uh, appearance uh, during this episode. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I used to like, every time he would play, I'd, I I remember one time... Uh, and I'm not holding this against him at all. It's kind of a fun story. Like, I don't know. I don't know him at all. I'm just mm-hmm. a fan. You know, I right. just have met him a couple of times because I'm a fan. Years ago, man, it was at the old um, 
what was called the covered dish in Gainesville. It was called, I think it's High Dive now. Okay. In yeah, Gainesville. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? That I know, room. High Dive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right there by Five Star Pizza. It's right there by Five Star Pizza. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and he was, he had a band called the Snake Healers. Oh, yeah. After the Takers. I remember that band. Yeah. And I, uh, I don't remember where I first, oh, I know where I first saw him. I come in full circle on our conversation about Micah. He, Open for Micah Schnabel, mm. um, or maybe the other way around. I don't know. They played together, I think, maybe yeah. one night solo at that same venue. And I asked him if he was gonna, uh, if he was gonna play any Taker songs. And he he just looked me looked right at me. And he was like, "I'm not gonna play any Taker songs." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how I remember it at least. But uh, and he still and he just played a kick ass set of Snake Healer songs yeah. instead. You know, that sounds that sounds very accurate and 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 uh, on brand for that time <laughs> period too. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is probably like 2009 <clears throat> or 10. I'm guessing. Yeah, maybe a little later than maybe that. Maybe later, yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little later than that. I can't remember what year that Snake Killers record came out. We tour we did a tour together along with Michael Clater. And Devin and Devin and Michael had uh had an act in town called Adult Boys Thunder Band <laughs> in Gainesville. They played every <laughs> Wednesday, I think it was. You know. Um but we I know I know we did a run in, in 13 and i think that snake healers okay. had either just that just happened or happened right after this so sometime oh, wow, that's later than so i thought it, it might have been like late 12 so this may be what i'm thinking of may not have been i don't know man well yeah maybe also also you know i'll admit that my memory is faulty i, I could have it wrong <laughs> I don't remember. I, I've seen so many shows there, though. Also, you know, like I, I lived in Gainesville for a while at different iterations of that venue. And then I lived in Ocala. And so I'd come up for shows because mm-hmm. there wasn't much much coming through, at least. Um, uh, Ocala at that time that I'm thinking of. Somewhere between 2010 and 2013. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Somewhere in that window. Yeah. But I'm, that's fun that we had a little Devin Stewart uh, tangent there. All right. I'm going to check out that book, The Brothers K. That sounds great. Yeah. I mean, I've got I, a stack think, yeah. right now too, but I, I keep it. I keep a stack, and it'll. I don't know when I when I kick the bucket, there, there will surely be unread books because yeah, the stack is there, and I continue to add to it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I hope I'm always that way. You know, like um, I'm about to finish uh, John Darnielle's book, uh, Devil House, and then I'm going to pick up um, John Doe's one of his two memoirs of the punk scene in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I can say this now because by the time this comes out, I will have interviewed him, but I'm going to sit down with John Doe coming oh, up nice. soon. Yeah. And I got, I mean, I got another cool thing. I'm going to say it anyway, cause I'm pretty sure this is going to happen too, but John Medeski, Medeski, yeah. Martin and Wood. I'm going to talk to him. Oh, that's I'm rad. Fucking stoked. Hell yeah. <laughs> like I'm almost, he's, he's done so much. I've just been like, as much as I can consuming what he's done and writing down as many th- ideas as I can. And I'm just going to resist the urge to just be like, you're so great. <laughs> You've done so many great things. Right. <laughs> One hour of me telling you how great you are. You oh, know, that's going to be, that, that is going to be great. Though. It's going to be cool though. Oh, right. It's going to be way cool. And it'll be flexing different muscles too, you know, cause I love jazz and, and that's a different kind of jazz, you know, but he, he also does all these other wild things. Um, uh, Saint disruption. Have you listened to that? that project that he has I'm called not. so th- they had a uh, record come out like 
last year, the year before, this guy, Jeff uh, Firewalker. Um, oh, Jesus, I forgot his last name. Anyway, he's like this, it's like a um, shaman kind of character, right? And they mm-hmm. met in South America in this sort of shamanic retreat sort of thing, the spiritual kind of retreat these two guys did, he and Medeski. And so they have this kind of wild project where, you know, Medeski does the music and and then Firewalker does like the spoken word sort of thing and sing sometimes. It's it's out there, man. Yeah. But it's like worth checking out, you know? Right, right, right. Um, so I'm really stoked for that too. Well, dude, this has been such a pleasure as yeah, always. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, you've given me more time than I than I could have asked for as always. Again, and I appreciate you so much, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Matt Woods, y'all, thank you so much, Matt. Thank all of you for listening. It is always a pleasure to get to speak with Matt, therealmattwoods.com for all things Matt Woods. The song you're hearing in this episode is Sunshine from Matt's Mornings After Record. Get a physical copy over on his website. He's also got really cool merch over there. I absolutely love my first place loser baseball tee. I wear it all the time and always get strange looks, and it leads to conversations sometimes about Matt's wonderful music. Marinadepodcast.com for all things The Marinade, including written pieces, photography, our online store, and more. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support The Marinade. If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community, where for just a few bucks a month, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content, like our show Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade. I also uh, post what I'm getting down on, which is an examination of the art that is inspiring me at the moment. All that's available on Patreon. We even sometimes get together for Patreon happy hours. We're overdue for one of those, actually. I need to get it in gear. Patreon.com slash marinade podcast if you're interested in supporting the show that way. If you want to support us financially, but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, I get it. You can Venmo or PayPal us at the marinade uh, if you just want to tip because you really like a particular episode. All the money goes right back into the making of the show. Right now, we're saving up to cover the Philadelphia Folk Festival. Some really, really great acts are going to be there and um and we're really grateful for the opportunity so i'm excited about that if uh if you can swing it we appreciate the financial support but above all just thank you so much for listening and supporting this thing telling people about the show interacting with us on social media i just really really appreciate it y'all there is no review under two for this episode i'm kind of tinkering with the structure of the marinade and hope to have some new stuff ready for you soon 
For now, I want to take a few seconds to announce our weekly title playlist, Marinade Musings, which I mentioned on episode 109. We've now done uh, three of them, three weeks in a row. You can find um, the Marinade Musings over on our socials, uh, or if you just go to title and type in Marinade Musings, you should be able to find it that way. It's a a short list of of songs that I find interesting, just stuff I'm letting marinate. I also have um, a written piece that I'm not going to go into too much detail about right now, but if you don't follow me over on medium.com, please do so. Um, sometimes I'll write things that, uh, I don't know, don't necessarily make a lot of sense for, uh, for the marinade itself. Um, uh, more political minded things. We don't shy away from, uh, from politics on this show. Um, uh, but it's not uh, meant to be overtly political. Um, but the more political things that I write, I put over on Medium. So Marinade, uh, Marinade Podcast, medium.com at slash at Marinade Podcast is where you can find that. And um, this most recent one, uh, I've just been really thinking about the, the tragedies in New York and in Texas. And um, just thinking through like my beliefs about the Second Amendment, about what it means to be a teacher in today's world. Um, most of you know, if you listen to this show, that I am a middle school teacher. Um, and just sort of my own political evolution and, and, and thoughts around this discussion about guns in our country. So if you're interested in, in, in something a little bit heavier, but um, a little more political, go over to medium.com slash at podcast for that. Thank you all again so much for listening. Thank you for all your support. You all are amazing. I greatly appreciate you. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.